Hello and welcome to the second episode of Bookmarked. Today we have with us Professor Nayanjot Lahiri with her latest book Searching for Ashoka: Questing for a Buddhist King from India to Thailand. Professor Nayanjot Lahiri is a historian and archaeologist of ancient India and a professor of history at Ashoka University since 2016. Congratulations for your book professor and we are very honored to have you here. Professor this is your second book on emperor ashoka so what about ashoka that you know appeal to you that you have written you know uh, the second uh, the two books are very different yes. but i find ashok to be a fascinating figure for a number of reasons um, first of all and for me that is really one of the most important reasons he is the communicator par excellence of ancient india if you think about emperor ashok putting up his edicts in public places in places where people lived uh, along the routes which they traveled along uh, the places and around the places where they worshiped i mean it is just quite amazing usually when you think of kings and rulers uh engaging with uh, their people it is done in their palaces it is done in uh for example in mogul times in the divaniyam right but where do you find an emperor who's actually moving around and also putting up his words in these public places so that was the one thing which really i found uh, fascinating the second thing that i found uh, amazing about him was that on the one hand they are self referential his words he's always talking about i and what he is doing and you know his work and so on and so forth but at the same time there's an interface there with um, you know with uh, the fact that he's not always successful so you know in his later edict especially the last edict he talks about two ways in which he has tried to get people to his path one is through uh, you know diktat and the other is through persuasion and he admits that he's actually succeeded much more when it comes to persuasion and that's amazing because so many of his edicts are like diktats so you know this interface with a, a man who is speaking about rulership and at the same time admitting that his rulership has limits and that his uh, you know outreach uh, has been more successful when it has been in the persuasive mode rather than in the mode of diktat so professor your second book is called search for ashoka from india like uh, to thailand so what was your data collection process like the data collection was through travel uh i made a number of uh trips uh, i've been to different places in thailand in myanmar in sri lanka and it's really like becoming an undergraduate again because this was something you know i had never done and it was an opportunity for me also not just to learn about a show but also to uh you know engage with other uh, cultures and to learn from them and to learn how memory can be very different from history that is the memorialized ashok in these places is very different from the historical figure that is 
so central to my first uh, endeavor, my first book, uh, Ashok in Ancient India. Uh, after all of that, of course, you sit back and then you do go to libraries, to books, to a range of written resources to see uh, what is it that you saw uh, which can interface with uh, what exists in these written sources. So it's, it's, a, it's a slow evolving uh, process. And I began by thinking that, well, I'm interested in how he's remembered, but I've now come to the conclusion that he was very selectively remembered. So remembrance always is selective. And in the case of why you choose to remember one thing about Ashok as against another aspect of him has to do with the agendas of those who are, you, you know, where Ashok figures in their cultures at that point in time. Why do you think Ashoka should be studied in modern India or modern world? Well, I actually think, uh, Deepak, that he should be studied for a number of reasons. If you just read his edicts carefully, they, they seem quite modern. Uh, even today, we always, especially you know, in the world of today, the question of how should uh, rulers govern? Uh, should fellow feeling and empathy have a role in governance or should it be cotillion statecraft? Both come from ancient India. But, you know, these are questions that continue to figure and they're very much there in the Ashokan edicts. Today, the largest question facing the world is the environmental question. And if you look at... Uh, you know, some of the edicts of Ashok, there's a deep engagement with all living beings that is not killing, but not killing, not because of climate change and so on and so forth uh, and consuming meat, but out of compassion for other living beings. So, you know, from a variety of perspectives, I think Emperor Ashok should be studied because there's a lot that... Uh, seems very modern. He may be a 3rd century BC ruler, but in many ways he seems to be uh, quite modern. And if you think about, uh, you know, his edict where he talks about uh, all uh, religions engaging with each other in a public domain in a way that is cordial and not praising your religion and your, uh, you know, doctrines over and above that of others. I mean, how relevant is that uh, today? So, uh, you have mentioned that, you know, there is a selective perception of Ashoka, you know, across the places you have visited. So, are there any contradictions to what he he was and what the, he is perceived of right now? Yeah, they are completely uh, different. You know, wherever you go, uh, you will find a different Ashok. So in Sri Lanka, the remembrance of Ashok is much more the remembrance of his children. Uh, that is Sangamitta, his daughter, who carried the Bodhi tree to Sri Lanka, and uh, Mahinda, his son, who converted the contemporary of Ashok King Devanam Piyatissa to uh, Buddhism. And uh, on the other hand, if you look at Southeast Asia, the Ashok that is remembered there uh, is the creator of stupas and uh, 
uh, so on and so forth. And then if you think of the historical Ashok, he's, that part of him is there. But Sangamitra and Mahinda are never mentioned in his inscriptions. And uh, he does appear as a Buddhist in many of his inscriptions, but in the real body of his inscriptions, it is governance. It is a unique way of reaching out to people. It is, uh, it is replacing, uh, you know, military uh, victories uh, with, uh, you know, spiritual victories. All that figures that doesn't occur at all in the remembrance of Ashok. So there is, there is not just a difference between the historical Ashok and the remembered Ashok. There's also a difference in the nature of remembrance across India and across uh, other parts of Asia. So what do you think, you know, is there a lack of resources or is it just, you know, like Ashoka as an architect, there are people in Thailand, as you mentioned, they are remembering him as an architect or, you know, as creator of these tupas and there is a religion factor and then there is governance so is it that you know there is only selective resources available at that particular place so he is perceived as that or is there any other reason no i i think the reason is different uh, so you know if you are saying that well these tupas in our land were originally created by emperor ashok and then the king says that he is now renovating them. That's a way in which he establishes a link with the historical emperor. So you give yourself a lineage that goes back to the archetypal Buddhist emperor that was uh, Emperor Ashok. So it's not a lack of resources. You cherry pick what you want and you do it because uh, of your own uh, reasons. What is that one thing, you know, Ashoka, the character of Ashoka or something about Ashoka which is not known, you know, through our history books that you have found out during this? So I think one of the things, the remembrance of Ashoka, I think this is the first book on his afterlife that is, you know, my in search of searching, that is this, uh, you know, book searching for uh, Ashok. But uh, I think looking at Ashok, I would say that I have actually looked at how his ideas evolved over time. So that is something new. I've tried to show that it's not just that Emperor Ashok changed as a human being, but his ideas also changed over time. So the Ashok who starts speaking in his minor rocky dicks uh, changes by, you know, once 15 or 16 years pass to a much more, he's an older man, he's more pragmatic and so on and so forth and that is reflected. So I would say that that is, uh, you know, something new. I think I've also uh, shown how he's as much a king of Karnataka as he is of the north. So my book, uh, Ashok in Ancient India, actually begins in uh, Andhra, you know. So he has a very, very strong presence. Uh, in that part of India, and you shouldn't, one shouldn't think of him only as a king based in Magadha and so on. What is the motive or, you know, the purpose you're working on this subject or these personalities, you know, who are from a different time period and how does this help our learning process in the today's world? Well, uh, I 
work on what I'm interested in. So I don't look for a larger uh, purpose in that sense. And uh, Ashok, by the way, has not just fascinated me, but if you look at the writings on Emperor Ashok, there must be nearly 2,000 books and papers on him. So any historian uh, worth her while of ancient India has actually written about Emperor Ashok at some point in time. So I'm part of that long lineage. But I think also uh, Ashok has had a tremendous impact across uh, India over time. Think of the first Prime Minister of India. What does he name his daughter? Indira Priyadarshini. So where is Priyadarshini coming from? What does Ashok call himself? Devanam Priya Priyadarshi, right? And I think uh, Nehru always saw himself, if you look at his writings, not explicitly but certainly implicitly, as the modern Ashok. So Ashok is not just there in dead and gone, but he was a living and palpable presence. And then if you think about our national symbol, it is the, you know, Ashok Chakra, it comes from the Sarnath uh, pillar uh, capital. So uh, it's not, uh, I I find him fascinating, as I said, for many reasons, but he also resonates in modern India because of figures like this. Thank you, Professor, for joining us today, talking about the Emperor Ashoka, where our values were also based on the university values. Thank you so much. Thank you, and I hope, uh, you know, Ashokans read uh, some of the chapters, at least, of my new book on Ashok. Thank you so much. Thank you.